If you can dream the perfect international adventure, you can create it with Trip Canvas from AAA Travel, the all-in-one platform that lets you research, plan, and book the ultimate getaway. Trip Canvas, let's go somewhere. The city of light, the city of love, the city that etched its name on the pages of Ernest Hemingway and its spirit in the songs of Edith Piaf. That's right, today I'm whisking you away to Paris. Leading us on this romantic adventure is Lee Abamonte, an expert in Paris travel and the whole world for that matter. So settle in, take a sip of cafe and savor that croissant. Paris, here we come. people might recognize you as the youngest American to visit every country in the world. But I know you as an old friend whose face I see on TV talking about travel just about every time I turn on the news. So you've been to like every major sporting event around the world. So with the Olympics coming up in Paris next summer, I want to get your perspective on traveling for that kind of sporty event. But first, I want to talk about Paris itself. How many times have you been to Paris? Probably got to be around 60 or so. So many, I lost count. I don't even know. <laughs> what keeps you going back to Paris? Well, I've been to Paris a lot on its own, obviously, because it's Paris and it's awesome. But a lot of times when you're traveling to places like in Africa, a lot of the flights go through Paris. So I found myself in Paris for like a night or two, a lot. Plus, I'm a big sports fan. They host a lot of big events. They have the Rugby World Cup coming up in a few months, obviously the Olympics next year. They've had the Champions League final, obviously Paris Saint-Germain and so many other events. They had the Euro Cup there and so on and so on. And, uh, you know, again, it's Paris. It's awesome. What's your perfect day in Paris? Where are you staying? Is there a specific neighborhood you like? How does that work for you? I like to kind of mix it up a little bit and either do kind of apartment stays like Airbnb type things or just like little hotels in like neighborhoods. So my favorite place to stay is actually in Montmartre. A lot of people know that for the Sacré-Cœur, which is obviously awesome and just beautiful like little streets and cafes and bars and stuff. And, and for me, it's just awesome because it, to me, it kind of reminds me of the West Village in New York a little bit, which is where I lived for so many years. And it's just got that cool like little town feel. That's where like Hemingway would hang out and like F. Scott Fitzgerald and Edith Piaf. And like you just have this awesome historic Parisian feel. And it feels like a small town as opposed to a big city over there. So that's kind of like where I would probably stay. My other option would probably be the Marais, which I love a lot and has really come into its own in the last like 10, 15 years. And uh, to keep the New York references going, it's kind of like the Brooklyn, so to speak, of Paris. And I really like it out there. It's, it's really grown on me. Do you have a specific tradition that you do for breakfast, lunch, dinner? Like when I go, I like to stop at a bakery in the morning and get a quiche because it's cheap and it's good and it's fresh. But do you have any routines? I like to sit in cafes and like, you know, have a coffee. French coffee is obviously fantastic. And I love the whole kind of street scene in Paris, whether it's in Montmartre, the Marais, like Saint-Germain-de-Prix, anywhere along like the Champs-Élysées. It's just great people watching and I drink a lot of coffee, especially if you're a little bit jet lagged and you know, it's just a cool way to chill and like kind of just watch the world go by in Paris. 
I always go to one place specifically for dinner, no matter if I'm there for one night or like a week, and it's called Le Relais de Venise L'Entrecot. And it's kind of like the OG, like Parisian, not necessarily a steakhouse, cause, but they don't have a menu. They only serve one thing, right? They have this like awesome walnut salad and then this like chopped sirloin with this amazing sauce and then just awesome French fries. But there, they're just fries. It's just so good. And I go every time. And there used to be only uh, the original, which is in Port Melo, but now they have like four or five around the city. So it's a lot easier. You might have to wait in line a little bit. So I always recommend get there when it opens, but it is just so good. And it's like affordable and, and reasonable. And to me, it's just like the most authentic, like Parisian dinner experience. And in terms of like kind of breakfast and lunch, uh, my whole thing is I'll literally walk into a, a bakery and get a baguette and literally just gnaw on it, right? Like I'll just walk around like eating. Then I'll usually pop into like some kind of fromagerie and buy some cheese and then just like literally like with my bare hands while I'm walking, just kind of stick it in and just eat like a cheese baguette. That's very French of you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, wear a beret and like the whole thing. What kind of advice would you give somebody who maybe hasn't been to Paris 60 times, but wants to go there and have a really good food experience? What would you recommend they look for in a good restaurant? Look and see what types of people are eating there. And if you see it's kind of local Parisian people, it's probably pretty good, right? A lot of the older places that aren't super fancy are just like the best and they're basic. But for me, basic is best because, you know, it's like golf, right? If you think too much, you're going to screw up. If you try to get too fancy with restaurants, you end up kind of doing overkill and it's overpriced. And, and for me, I'm not impressed by fancy. I just like good, you know? If you're out and about, do you have a special place you like to go for a nightcap with maybe a view of the city? Taking a bottle of wine up to uh, the Sacre Coeur and just kind of drinking a bottle of wine overlooking the city like it's sunset or like when the lights go on and the Eiffel Tower is like, you know, spinning around. I mean, that's like kind of the quintessential nighttime chilling drinking experience for me. Paris has some great cocktail bars and obviously, you know, restaurants and whatnot. In the Marais, there's a couple of places I like to go. Um, the Little Red Door is one of the most famous bars in the world. It's just tremendous cocktails. Not too far from there, about a five minute walk is a place called Candelaria. It's like a hidden speakeasy that kind of turns into like a, like a chic, not nightclub, but like a cool scene at night. I really like to go there. More in the tourist area is a place called Danico, which is, uh, you know, one of the top 100 bars in the world. And probably my favorite bar in Paris, period, is uh, the Hemingway Bar in the Ritz, the Hotel Ritz, which is just phenomenal. The drinks are amazing. They give you these incredible uh olives and potato chips and like it's just an awesome Hemingway scene and I'm a big Hemingway fan I've read all his books and a lot of them take place in Paris or he wrote them in Paris it just gives you all the feels you know do you take public transportation when you're there or do you take Ubers or taxis what's your go-to method so I think the uh, the metro in Paris is awesome. I think it's so efficient and one of the best in the world. I mean, it's not like the nicest cars, but I mean, it's a subway. I mean, you don't expect like a limo, right? 
it gets you where you need to go. It's efficient. The cars run every like four or five minutes. So even if you miss one, it's really not bad. You know, I find it, especially to get to the kind of outskirts of the city, I find it great. And then they have other types of trains there. You know, I just find Paris very efficient with public transportation. And at night, I'll usually do Ubers uh, as opposed to taxis because you can just put in your destination and it takes away the language barrier. It just makes your life easier. Paris is hosting the Summer Olympics in 2024, and they're expecting 13 million tourists to come in. First of all, I want to know, have you ever been to the Olympics? Yeah, I've been to several Olympics, both summer and winter, of course. And uh, yeah, it's, it's a great event, and it's cool because it's so international. It just brings together people of the world. So in, in Paris, this is going to be also their uh, third time hosting the Olympics. They hosted the sec second ever Olympics in 1900, and then they hosted again in the 20s. So now they're going to get it again, and they have the Olympic Stadium, which has hosted a World Cup final and Champions League final. So, you know, this is a city that's adequately prepared. It's also the most visited touristic city in the world. So, you know, they know what they're doing, and they have the French Open every year and, and massive events. So I think if any city is prepared, it, it's Paris. I don't know if you've ever been to an opening ceremony at the Olympics, Lee, but tickets are usually very expensive and there's often limited space. But Paris has decided to make this whole opening ceremony free, and they're doing it along the banks of the Seine River, which should have up to 600,000 people in attendance. Why do you think they're doing something so different? Recently, especially starting in Beijing in 2008, the Olympics opening ceremonies has been kind of a made-for-TV spectacle with a lot of like special effects and things like that that you can't actually tell are happening in the stadium itself. So it sounds like they're wanting to make it more accessible for more people and add a dose of reality. Is that right? The French, they know what they're doing. They don't kind of mess around and they're trying to show up their city and uh, I have no doubt it's going to be awesome. Do you know anything specific about how they're preparing for this influx of tourists? I mean, obviously they know what they're doing, but 13 million is a lot. It's the most visited city on earth. They certainly have the hotel, you know, they have the uh, public transportation, they have the readily available, you know, Ubers and taxis. And again, it's probably a top five walking city in the world. Most of the venues are kind of in the city and you can really walk there easily, metro or whatever to it. I studied abroad in Paris one summer, and it was surprisingly hot. And the one thing I was really missing was somewhere to swim. I recently read that city officials are making the Seine swimmable again, and they'll be doing races in the river. I mean, I've been going to Paris since 1998, and I've uh, never once considered jumping in this, the Seine. But uh, if it's proven that it's going to be clean and, and cool, yeah, I might do it. Why not? Can you imagine just people like inner tubing down the river like you do in central Florida or something, just cruising by Notre Dame and the Eiffel Tower? That's different. Do you know anything about the new bike paths that the city's installing? I've heard that they're going to be relatively extensive trying to cut down on traffic and, you know, make public transportation like less crowded. With a bike, it just makes it that much easier to get to more further flung neighborhoods. So... For first-time visitors, do you think it's worth it for them to go to Paris for the Olympics? Or would you say, wait it out, don't go, wait till the Olympics are over, or go before? What do you think? What, what would be your professional advice? Paris is never going to be more beautiful than it's going to be for the Olympics. I mean, they are 
all in on these Olympics, right? It's going to be expensive. It's going to be crowded, but it's expensive and crowded anytime in the summer, right? So it's uh, not going to be really that much different. It'll just be a little bit more enthusiastic. So let's talk about the tourist hotspots in Paris. Notre Dame isn't scheduled to reopen until December of 2024, so it won't be open yet for the Olympics. But for the Eiffel Tower, people can always expect lines. What advice do you have for our listeners to enjoy that experience? The problem with going up the Eiffel Tower is number one, you got to wait in line. But when you're up the Eiffel Tower, you can't see the Eiffel Tower, right? Sounds like you're about to share a good tip. Where should people go if they want the city views and that iconic shot of the Eiffel Tower? So there's a uh, tower called the Montparnasse Tower, which might be the ugliest building ever built, but it has an observation deck with incredible views of Paris, including the Eiffel Tower. Also the Arc de Triomphe, which uh, you have to walk around in circles to get to the top of, also has great views of the Eiffel Tower or anywhere really along the Seine there has great views of the tower, especially at night and like when it sparkles or like when the light twirls around. From a lot of the nice tourist hotels, you'll get great views of the Eiffel Tower on the balcony. So my suggestion with the Eiffel Tower, if it's not clear, is to check it out kind of from afar or even up close, just not necessarily on it. You're going to save yourself time aggravation. And again, you're going to get the photos you want, not actually on it. I think that's a a pretty good tip. I've been to the top. It's a cool thing to do. Like you said, that really is the most iconic thing to see. It's, it's kind of like when you're in New York and you go to the top of the Empire State Building, but you don't have the Empire State Building in your pictures. And that's that's an icon. So I like that advice. Now, there are some Michelin starred restaurants in the Eiffel Tower. So have you been to either of those? There's the Jules Verne and Madame Brasserie. Have you been to either of those? I went to the Jules Verne one uh, years ago and it's cool. You have to make a reservation like way in advance and it's very expensive. But it is cool. I'm not going to say it's not, but there's a lot of great restaurants in Paris and you can eat at other great restaurants and actually look at the Eiffel Tower. I always say to kind of try to avoid the tourist spots, but if you've not done it and you don't mind, then uh, I say go for it for sure. So there's always going to be long lines at the Louvre. It's the most famous museum in the world. We know that it's best to buy your tickets ahead of time. You can also skip the busiest entrance at the Pyramid and go to Carousel du Louvre instead at the Palais Royal stop. You can book a guided tour, so saving time when you get lost. And the other option is to avoid the crowds, you can go at night because it's less crowded. Do you have any other tips for going to the Louvre, Lee? Unless you're a total art geek, you really only know two things in there. You know the Venus de Milo and the Mona Lisa. And that's pretty much it. You go in, you're like, okay, check. And then you see the Mona Lisa. There's like 10,000 people looking at the Mona Lisa. It's behind glass. It's like this big. And then you're walking around, you're like, oh, priceless works of art but I've never seen or heard any of them. And it just goes on forever, right? So I'm not a huge museum guy, if that's not obvious, but I've been to all the major museums in Paris and around the world, really. So to me, the most impressive thing generally about museums is the building itself. To me, the the coolest museums in Paris are uh, the Musée d'Orsay, just because the building is so cool and the actual architecture. And then places like the Rodin Museum, just because of kind of the layout, it's really cool, or even the Picasso Museum. The Louvre is like 
right in the middle of Paris and it's cool to see the pyramid, but to actually go in is, is more hassle than it's worth. But again, if I had never seen the Mona Lisa, I'd want to see it, of course. So just kind of manage the expectations before you go and realize you won't be the only one in there, but try to get there early, like right when it opens to uh, get the least crowded time. What other tips do you have for us on places that might get missed or maybe just be a little less crowded? Well, I know it's famous, but a lot of people kind of skip out on public outdoor spaces, right? Like Luxembourg Gardens is awesome. You know, like if you like Central Park in New York, Luxembourg Gardens is even nicer. It's just beautiful place to walk around. The Palais Royal is uh, absolutely awesome. Just a really cool place to like walk around as opposed to um, just going to the Louvre. Tuileries is right outside and that's just beautiful. Like you can walk from uh, the Louvre to there and like up the Champs-Élysées to the Arc de Triomphe. And that's fantastic. Two other things that are pretty cool that a lot of people don't do is Paris actually has this underground tour called the Catacombs. It's actually this amazing underground kind of tunnel system with a lot of like skeletons and, and things like that. It sounds weird, but it's really, really cool and really unique to Paris. It's one of those things that if you do, you're like, yeah, I feel like I just accomplished something. Like I did something that not everybody does. It's awesome. And I tell everyone who goes to Paris to do that. And then another thing that's cool, this is going to sound weird because it's not like your normal thing to do, but like cemetery tourism, right? The, the Père Lachaise Cemetery on the kind of the outskirts of Paris. You could take the, the, uh, the metro there, but like Jim Morrison is buried there. Edith Piaf is buried there. Oscar Wilde is buried there. It's like really interesting to see. And uh, there won't be a ton of tourists. That's a beautiful cemetery. I went there many, many years ago. And the catacombs, you're totally right. It's a one-of-a-kind experience. It's also a good thing to do on a hot day because you're many stories underground. It's a little bit terrifying, but yeah, it is. It is. It's cooler down there. It's dark. It's so different than what you're seeing above on the street, right? So for anybody considering a visit to Paris within the next year, do you know of any festivals or events that you'd recommend planning a trip around that maybe aren't the Olympics? Maybe something for music lovers, art lovers? For me, I'm a, I'm a huge sports guy, right? So like I'll be there this fall for the Rugby World Cup, which is a, a massive global event for people who are really into rugby. It's uh, kind of just a step below soccer in terms of people attending popularity wise. And it's all over France. But the final is going to be at the Stade de France in Saint-Denis, just outside of Paris. It's just a great event. And if you want to see other places besides just Paris, like they're going to be playing in Bordeaux and Lyon and Nice, Toulouse, you know, places like that, which are really, uh, Marseille, really awesome places to visit. That's a great event. Uh, the French Open Tennis, which is a Grand Slam event, the second one of the year. It takes place the end of May to early June every year. Tremendous event. Obviously, Paris Saint-Germain uh, soccer team, PSG, is there in Parc de Prince, which is right near Roland Garros, where the um, French Open is. And it's a great place to watch top European club soccer. And then they have just, you know, it's, it's Paris, right? They have the biggest events, concerts. They have every musical festival, like Taylor Swift, you know, Harry Styles, like people who sell out stadiums, which blows my mind that people wait in line, like cry when they see Taylor Swift, but they play in Paris, right? So, you know, you can plan around these, <laughs> these massive events. You're talking about one of the, it's like New York, London, Paris, kind of the three biggest global city brands on earth, right? So they have everything. Basically, whatever you're looking for, it's there. If it's sports, if, if it's not there, you probably don't need it. <laughs> <laughs> Paris. 
Paris really is a city that has it all. And I think that's the perfect way to wrap up today's episode. Lee Abamante, thank you for joining us. And thank you, our listeners, for being with us. If you're planning a trip, be sure to connect with a AAA travel advisor. Check out AAA.com forward slash travel or visit your local branch. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe. I'm Angie Orth. Thank you for traveling with AAA.